0: It comes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns just to dust. dust. Like eye contact with strangers in crowded rooms, is a dream that you to be real. The passing note of the song, the glimmer of the shifting scene, you think you saw it, saw it, you think you see it, see it. All right.
1: Okay. Ready? I am ready. ready. Are you? Cheers. There you go. To the shores. To the shores.
0: <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the shores where we're not quite ignorant but not quite knowledgeable. <laughs> knowledgeable.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a good place to be. And welcome to winter too apparently. Oh yeah, especially for you guys in Texas. Austin and Texas, yeah. yeah.
0: <clears throat> what is going on with the people on the road in response to the cold?
1: People in Austin are just weird any like There's any, any sort theories of, about this? I think it's just weather in general. Everyone gets all like safe and or crazy at the same time. Uh, I, yeah. I don't feel like they're safe. I feel like they're getting, like the drive, people out there are nuts. Well, it's like all extremes come out. It's like the, the people that are driving there, they're all Yaris's and they get all <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're prejudiced against people that drive Yaris's. Well, I hate to be like, Oh, uh, what do you call it? Put people in boxes, but yeah. I mean, if you drive a Yaris, yeah. <clears throat> you're not taking many risks. I <laughs> uh, I know I know examples that are uh counter to what I'm about to say, but Priuses and Yaris I, every time I get behind them I'm always expecting them to do something kind of wonky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's the same thing with like you know a big old pickup truck with huge right. wheels. It's like <clears throat> to me it's, there's no difference. Like the Yaris gonna, is he, the big wheeled guy. It's too. just the opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> totally.
0: That's uh, funny. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just the change of season. Hmm. Like the cold comes in and people feel things changing and they like feel like they need to go out and do things. Yeah. You know, it's like evidence that time is moving forward, that your life
1: is moving forward. Okay. We got to go do some things. <laughs> go buy some toilet paper because it might snow. Or yeah. So. <laughs> right. Uh, oh man. Well, uh, how would you hit us with that quote from Eric? That was kind of, that was kind of good. Oh Yeah.
0: Uh, hold on. It's my phone. So this was pretty interesting and we'll start with this quote. This was a quote from Eric Weinstein. Oh no, it just flashed off my screen. There it is. Um, our reality and risk level are not reflected back to us. And this is part of a long thread that he wrote on Twitter. Um, In response to something that happened on Tuesday, which oddly enough, I brought this up before the podcast and you (laughs) didn't know about it. Uh -uh. So um, a missile went over the Ukraine border into Poland and hit a Polish village and killed two people, Um, which is very sad and also a really big deal because Poland is a NATO country and the rest of NATO has an obligation to respond to that attack. If indeed it was an attack, we don't know much about it as far as I know, you know, whether it was an attack, whether it was Russians that fired the missile or Ukrainians that fired the missile. Apparently we do know it was a Russian missile, but we don't know if the Russians fired it or the Ukrainians fired it. If it was, you know, went astray and landed there by accident. Either way, this is the war spilling out of Ukraine and into a NATO country. This is a big deal. And somehow he was commenting in this Twitter thread that like somehow it's getting no reaction among our, the Western press. Mm. Um, I mean, so little that, you know, even though you said earlier tonight, you've been in like a uh, content <laughs> download, yeah. download mode, like just consuming <clears throat> as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And even then you didn't even know about it. Yeah. Um, and so Eric's point is he says, we've been on a knife's edge for months and months in many different ways. Mm. Um, what's going on with Russia and Ukraine is one of them. And somehow reality and the risk level is not being reflected to us. We don't, we just kind of act like, well, it's no big deal, you know? And and we, we've somehow been conditioned to do this. I think like, this is kind of the way we act about a lot of things, whether it's January 6th or Biden's cognitive abilities, um, the war in Ukraine in general, inflation, it's like, I wonder if part of the reason that we just kind of move on and say, oh, it's not that big of a deal uh, is because there's so much being thrown at us mm. constantly from all sides, from places that we can't possibly be expert enough to really evaluate, at least not easily. Mm-hmm. And so we just sort of go into coping mechanism mode like, <clears throat> oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. You know, oh, it's an accident. NATO is not going to respond. So NATO, the article five of NATO states that, um, if any NATO country is attacked, it's the responsibility of the rest of the NATO Alliance to respond. So, you know, people maybe just hope, well, we just won't respond this time, mm-hmm. you know? Well,
1: it's hard because we do have, I mean, there's so much information out there that's coming at us. that's telling us care about this, no, no, care about this. <clears throat> right. No, care about this. Whether it be Kanye West and his remarks, or uh, Dave Chappelle on SNL and the writers—you know—we're going to have a walkout, I think, or something like that with him. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Ukraine should be your most your most uh, uh, the thing on the top of your mind. You know, right? Um, inflation, or, or it seems like there's so many things that are so elevated that it's hard to kind of figure out what to care about because you can't, you can't hold all those things. Right. I mean, cause we're also dealing with like relationships and our kids and uh, work and, mm-hmm. you know, there's all these elements that were, some things are more immediate in, in our sphere and some things are further and further out. Right. And so it's, it's easy to get blindsided by some of these more macro issues whenever you're so stuck in the micro of your, of your life. And, and it's like, I think that one point he's, he's making and correct me if I'm wrong is that we kind of need help making sense of the world. And so that's kind of some of we've traditionally like looked to our media and our leaders that function on the macro world to tell us what do we need to be concerned about? Yeah. And, uh, I've heard it, I've heard this, i mean you can probably say that this whether this is true or false but a lot of this changed after clinton and like like our news media became sort of less reliable Hmm. what what was the change there do you know I'm, i'm trying to think what it was i've heard this i've heard this uh from a few people and I, 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 when I brought it up, I was just like, I don't think I can speak on this <clears throat> intelligently. That's um, okay, just to your best. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I speak of intelligence about other things or something, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I think, you know, again, you know, after the 90s, it's sort of the dot-com boom and there was bloggers, there was, you know, you know, and then today there's podcasters. There's so much mm. information out there mm-hmm. and everyone's competing for the, our eyeballs, you know, and so it wasn't necessarily something Clinton did no, just um, using
0: that as the, mm-hmm. the,
1: uh, landmark. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You know, and maybe there were some things that were, you know, even, even with Clinton, the, I remember the joke was, "What does the word the mean? You know, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> like that, like that was like that blew up all over the place, you know? And, and I don't remember that really happening with other presidents. Mm-hmm. Uh, So something about our media kind of shifting to more of almost like tabloid type, (laughs) type media, you know, to get the, I mean, today we say to get the clicks, you know, to get the eyeballs. Right. It it does bring up a point. Like,
0: like I don't think that any person can make sense of everything Mm -mm. because everything is too much. So you have to outsource your sense making, Mm -hmm. which is why it's so good to be, I think in a, in a, committed intimate relationship hmm. like a marriage Yeah. because you can outsource the sense-making of <coughs> your, you know, your kids and your job and yourself to another person. They help hmm. you with that. Friends will do that to a lesser degree, but still, um, but you can't make sense of the economy or, um, politics in general hmm. or geopolitical issues. And it's like, that's why We had the media in part to make sense of things and in part to hold those who are incentivized to manipulate the sense making, i.e. politicians, Mm -hmm. in order to stay, you know, to keep their jobs, um, to hold them to account. And it seems like the media class, maybe around that time, maybe this is, this is coincident with the rise of the internet. They were no longer incentivized to do that. Mm because social media started outsourcing the sense making. Yeah. Maybe not, you know, arguably in some ways better and arguably in some ways worse, but Mm -hmm. media started having to (coughs) compete with the voices of everyone. Mm -hmm. And so they did get more clickbaity. Yeah. Like what's going to get you to read this and what's going to please our, our investors and our stakeholders and what take should we have on this? And, it became, it stopped becoming about sense making.
1: Hmm. Yeah. You kind of see this, this theme kind of running in a lot of areas. Like even I was talking to a guy earlier this week about, uh, I missed out on a, on a deal because I didn't carry a certain certification, but really that certification is just kind of, it's fine. it, It works. It's good, but it's, it's sort of, it's like minimum wage or something that is, it's, it's not great. And so we actually, what we do is Medici is like so much more than, than that certain trademark. And it's like, yes, I could go get the trademark and then I get the business. But it's just, I just find it just dumb that we're actually functioning on a higher level than that trademark. Hmm. And yet we didn't get the deal because we didn't have the trademark. Hmm. And so it's like, what is real versus Perceived, you know, the little tiny, you know, symbol on your coffee (laughs) carries with it a certain weight, but doesn't really, but it does. But when you're actually doing something that actually means more than that little symbol, are you trying not to say what the symbol is? Yeah, because I don't, it's, 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 I'm speaking more, it's more about the abstract of it than it is actual this thing. So, um, so it's just, it's just really frustrating to, I feel like there's a lot of those things in our world where, you know, it, whether it be a sound bite or a clickbait or whatever, it's like you're you're tr- you're trying to go after something that is somewhat not as meaningful, but you're also needing somebody like because like the symbol itself means something. Like whether mm-hmm. it's fair trade or rainforest certified, all the different there's tons of them. Right. And the the, the the core of it is is good intentions. But then it also then it becomes sort of manipulated into sort of this, you know, Catchphrase, You know, it's like, right. Oh, you're, you're rainforest certified or whatever, you know, it's like, that's supposed to mean something. Right. And <clears throat> I find that a lot of those things kind of mean less and less. And mm. I find that I I feel like that way with our mainstream media too. Like I don't, I don't trust, trust their intentions. Yeah. It reminds me of that. Like you call yourself news, but are you news or are you a pundit or a, a magazine a, a magazine? You know? Yeah writing opinion pieces. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the line
0: between journalism and, and op-ed or opinions mm-hmm. has really blurred a lot. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, so. it reminds me of the, the the symbol on the package reminds me of the that Boston Globe study or article that pointed to that study that said that only 5% of the plastics that you mm. recycle actually get recycled. Yeah. And the other 95% is sort of accidentally thrown into the ocean (laughs) you know and we've all adopted recycling as this thing that you have to do Mm -hmm. to be a moral person yeah and i have found myself after reading that you know i've got a recycling bin in my house and i try to really pay attention to what could be recyclable and Mm -hmm. put it in there and now i'm just like well what is the truth yeah we're doing all of this Mm -hmm. why am i doing this does it matter and and that that's sort of like a deep erosion, I think, of something internally. Like you, you adopt certain behaviors at 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 a cost. You know, the cost of um, recycling. I don't mean monetary cost, but the cost of like sorting through things and and you know, like I'll wash off certain plastics that have mm-hmm. food on them, and this like maintaining the separate bin and buying the. Uh, the, the liners for the can and all this is like you adopt all these behaviors around that because you think this is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out that that's just being squandered or that you were lied to mm-hmm. or maybe not lied to, but maybe the hope was that they could figure out the recycling and it's just really not possible. And that kind of erodes your internal sense of, well, what, who, who am I then? Mm-hmm. I think that's what a lot of people feel in a deep level why people feel in a deep level disaffected by the erosion of trust in the institutions, Hmm. because in a a way you stake your self-perception and your morality on it's sort of like that, the tagline that came up the last couple of years, trust the science, Hmm. you sort of stake your morality on that. And then it turns out that all that was a lie, Hmm. you know, that Pfizer didn't even test the transmission of the vaccine. And it's like, well, what does that make me then? I thought I was a good person. I was doing my part. I shut down my business and I kept my kids home and I didn't go see my family. And now you're telling me that all that was for nothing.
1: Mm -hmm. So what, who am I now? Yeah. It's such a hard thing to sort of comprehend as far as, Cause you can either double down and just, and I've seen kind of both sides of this is just, you know, doubling down and saying, get vaccinated. <laughs> it solves all of our problems and the unvaccinated are what is the problem? It's like, well, then, you know, the science comes out and says, well, it's a little more complicated than that, <laughs> you know? And, and, and then you don't really hear people talk about that other side that as the, as more information is, is coming out. <clears throat> right. And, and it just, it kind of gets to a point where you're just sort of like, I just don't trust anybody. Yeah. And that's not good
0: either. You know? Well, and here's a personal example. Like, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I would not allow my kids to get vaccinated. <clears throat> I was, I was, You know, it was very early on reading about the high risk of myocarditis, especially in young boys, and it was pretty clear by the time the vaccines came out that this disease is so age stratified that kids are at almost no risk, Mm. and yet almost everyone my son's age at the time he was 15, uh, they were all getting vaccinated, and his best friend's parents decided that he was not allowed to come at first, not allowed to come into their house, and then finally wasn't allowed to be around him at all. And this just absolutely demoralized my son.
1: Mm.
0: Understandably. He was ostracized, Mm -hmm. ostracized. And then it turns out, well, not only did we not actually even test whether or not the transmission hypothesis was true, we all can look around and see anecdotally that whether or not someone has the vaccine seems to have no make no difference in whether or not they get COVID yeah. or, or spread COVID, you know? And that makes me so angry. It's like, this is a young boy, a young man coming into coming into extremely important formative years and he was ostracized on the back of a lie that made people feel moral and just and righteous for doing it. Yeah. And I can see, like, I feel angry at that and I could see how people have the distrust in the media, let's say, or the, the political class or the, um, or even like the public CDC. health class, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. CDC, FDA, mm-hmm. WHO. What what is Fauci's organization? NICH? Yeah, NIH. I think it's an Yeah, <clears throat> like that can turn to. Well, there's like a betrayal there that will turn to anger.
1: Because because in their essence, like they're supposed to, they're supposed to be there and, and also have functioned as a a way that's helped us and, and got us through things too. Right. So it's like, it's just kind of hard to, cause you would expect by now that we would have gone through the last three years or two and a half years, however long it says now. And okay. What did we get right? What did we get wrong? Let's talk about this. And obviously this would have to be on a very high level as far as like our president, our Congress, our I mean for nothing else, if something like this happens again, what are we going to do next time? Yeah. Because obviously, well, the problem
0: is that next time I don't, it will be a much different story. I think because like the, the CDC and the FDA and the media were supposed to be our sense making mechanisms. Mm -hmm. We were supposed to be able to outsource our sense making to them so that we didn't have to be epidemiologists and virologists Mm. and they not only got it wrong, but they lied to us about it. So who's going to listen to them next time? Yeah. You know, some people will, because I don't think some people even know that they lied because we live in this world of like the incentives run in a way that causes media to not report the truth. Mm -hmm. And then our online Activity is so controlled by algorithms that we live in bubbles mm-hmm. to where, you know, you won't know, you won't even hear about something important that happened because it's outside of your normal set of interests. And so the algorithm doesn't show it to you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I think there's some people who next time will be like, OK, let's buckle up. Let's do it again. Worked mm-hmm. last time. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a whole other set of people who are going to be like, absolutely not. I'm not going for this
1: charade, Mm-mm. you know? And that's our thing, because what if it is actually something that is, you know, five times, ten times worse than, you know?
0: Well, gosh, did you hear about, uh, where is it? In, in some university, maybe in Boston or something, they were working on a way of hybridizing the Delta variant and the Omicron variant, making it 80% lethal. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? I did not hear that. Why?
1: Yeah. Didn't we learn something? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, part of me understands that. It's like, you know, as far as understanding how something can be lethal and, and to get ahead of, to get ahead of that. But I don't know about you, but you know, I think most people don't trust, like, I don't trust people be, <laughs> mess around with that kind of stuff. (laughs) No, I mean, it seems absolutely
0: unforgivable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, even, I didn't even think we've gotten to the point of really addressing the gain of function research that caused COVID in the first place, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and we can, well, we have a reckoning to come to about how bad the pandemic actually was,
1: Mm.
0: but I think we can all agree that a lot of people died. Mm hmm you know and what's the price of that life yeah and should you know if if we were engaging in some activity in which a small mit- mistake led to that then sorry we don't get to engage in that activity anymore until we can be somehow absolutely certain. And it's strange to me that we're not, that this doesn't seem culturally important. Hmm. People are content to say, oh, well, no, it wasn't a lab leak. It was, it it, it arrived out of a a wet market. And anybody who says it's a lab leak is just listening to QAnon and (laughs) probably voted for Trump and all of this stuff. And I'm like, how can you dismiss it like that? Like you should, yeah. Even if it's, let's say 50%, likely that what happened is that we were doing gain of function research and it leaked out of that lab. All these people died. Like that should be taken seriously. Mm. You know, meanwhile nuclear energy which is by far the safest and most efficient Mm. uh, source of power known. Yeah. And better for the climate. We say, oh, we can't engage in nuclear because it's too dangerous. Look at Chernobyl. Yeah. You know like we are just, we are not living in reality. Our, our our public discourse is not living in reality.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it, and I think that's a hard thing, too, because it does come down to comments like, oh, you're QAnon, or you're a Trump supporter, or even if you're not. I mean, I know some people, so many people that are like, you know, voted for Biden that even though they disagree with some of these points and then they get thrown into the Trump crew.
0: Yeah, what's that called when someone's making an argument and you don't respond to the argument. You just attack their personnel. You just attack their person instead. <clears throat> yeah. Is that
1: ad hominem? Yes. Yeah, ad hominem. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it, just all ad hominem. Well, I think too, is like part of it is not really engaging in that because I mean, so if you're, if you're talking about Twitter, it's in you, you look at your, your comments, which I'm not making any posts, <laughs> but generally speaking a while ago, it was like, I go through and I can pretty much weed out like 80% of people just because they're just reacting, you know, kind of dumb. And then you have like about 10 or 20% that you're like, Oh, okay, cool. Uh, they disagree, but they're, they're stating why they're disagreeing with this person. Mm -hmm. And then you'll see like somebody, you know, somebody famous will say it and then comment. And then you'll see a a dialogue back and forth. And it's actually a really healthy dialogue too. And they disagree with each other. And it's something that, um, so it's like, how do you also? There's a lot of noise in in that then the signal. But I think sometimes, whenever we get caught up, whenever in our own beliefs, and when someone echoes those beliefs, we kind of tend to be like, "Yeah, QAnon, dumbasses," <laughs> 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 or or January six. You know, it's like, <clears throat> you know, it's just hard to find. Well, I think like you and I kind of like span a pretty broad information intake hmm. for the most part. Maybe a lot of people say they do that. And yeah. <laughs> just well, it's hard to know if that's are. true.
0: <laughs> it's hard to know if that's true because yeah. you don't know other people's bubbles, you know? Yeah. Like well, I tell, I've been testing this a lot more recently, yeah. like just asking people and st- I, I've stopped taking for granted that people have heard the same, you know, let's just even just say news headlines hmm. that people have heard this, even seen the same news headlines I've seen. Mm-hmm. Like I'll say, Uh, what was it that happened recently? Um, I think Putin had, uh, mobilized the, the train that carries nuclear warheads or something like he had changed his, his positioning to a nuclear stance Hmm. and like, holy shit, that's terrifying. And I would ask people if they'd heard about that and they'd be like, no, I haven't heard anything about that. Hmm. You know, and I don't know how this is possible. We're all on our phones constantly. Yeah. It isn't like we're not available to be told, hmm. and somehow people didn't know.
1: So, you, so you can almost understand the push for uh, a sort of a media control. Or uh, I think it was in Australia that they said that we're going to tell you the truth. Um, if you hear it elsewhere, it's you, not the truth. If you hear it elsewhere, it's not the truth. And a part of that's comforting in that saying, "Okay, cool." these people are going to look after me and, and I can, I can rely on them to provide me with information that I need to know. There's something very comforting in that and actually could be a very useful resource, but we also know that, you know, uh, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. That, that very few people are able to wield that authority for very long in a positive direction.
0: Well, no one is. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's, (laughs) well, I think sometimes you can have like somebody who starts out maybe doing that in a, in a positive way, but it feels like at some point an idea, uh, ideology or something takes over and they, they forget who they serve. I mean, it's the same thing in coffee. Like we're coming around to is we got so lost in, you know, the, the coffee aspect where the customer and their preferences got lost. Mm. And so like as an industry, I feel like we're coming around back to the other side of like, okay, no, what do you want? Oh, you want vanilla in your coffee. Okay, fine. That's cool. That's how you like it. I, w- I want to do that for you. You know, well,
0: like why? Whereas before you'd be kind of snooty about it and oh, be like, yeah. you're ruining the coffee with this. We're not going to participate
1: mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I minute mean, you. We, we always, that was kind of one thing I've, we tried really hard to not do, but that was like industry wise. And we are also very young. And so, you know, when you, when you, it's almost like sometimes our, our media and our information sense making machines are almost kind of like children or teenagers. Whereas you, as you get older and wiser, you've kind of seen all the ways that, uh, or if you experience at least, you know, a couple of turnings of, of, abuse of power and stuff that you're like, okay, now I get it. It's like, that's why we have a democracy is because Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. it's the least least likely that any sort of abuse of power will last more than four years, you know, maybe eight years or two years or four years with the Senate in the house or whatever, you know? So we've tried to limit the people's effect on us, um, in the U S as as well, you know, and also just our speech laws that, you know, allowing us to have that freedom of speech and that, uh, not being censored, you know, but then you, then you kind of come across like the what we saw with like Facebook and Twitter and a lot of more conservative voices and libertarian voices were, you know, not as amplified as
0: that was another thing I kind of checked on a couple people with is, um, whether or not they had heard about the leaked documents that showed that the FBI Mm -hmm. and the DHS were, Working directly with Facebook and Twitter mm-hmm. on what accounts to censor mm-hmm. which is a blatant violation of your First amendment. Mm-hmm. and people either hadn't heard about it, which shocked me because that's a big deal like that's kind of like a story of the year kind of deal. see it sounds conspiracy theory to me right or what you talking about <laughs> or they just dismissed it as, mm-hmm. oh well, you know, not that big of a deal mm-hmm. you know. And depending on, yeah, which just terrifies me. Like what, what do we take seriously as a culture? Hmm. Like
1: what would actually alarm us? Well, it's hard to say anymore because I, I find, I find the the disagreement between the left and the right, like there's, there's just, there's just, there's actually a lot of us here in the middle that are kind of feel a little bit left behind by both by both mm-hmm. sides of this. Right. And I, I don't understand. Cause I think too, in, in media and, 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 and being a personality, you have to kind of be a little bit more extreme. Like you, you see this with Ben Shapiro, like, you know, the Ben Shapiro that's on the, uh, daily wire, his show that he has, you know, the Shapiro show is different from the Lex Friedman interviewing Ben Shapiro. Mm-hmm. You know, you see, you you actually see with him two different people. And he, he plays he plays this pundit or, or or guy that is definitely more conservative, right? You know, right wing or however you want to say it. But when you when like you sit down with Lex, you see you see the complexity of his thoughts. I think a lot more or or his. But I think people just feel like they have to be a little bit more extreme to be heard hmm. and which makes sense because, you know, even with our podcast, you and I are kind of all over the place. We're not super opinionated. (laughs) Well, maybe we are, I don't know, (laughs) you know, but the thing is it's really not about opinion. We're, We're exploring topics and ideas and trying to figure out what is, what is real. Um, kind of going back to like Eric's, um, Eric's quote that you read at the very beginning, you know, it's like, like something about what's being mirrored back to me is not real. And I I want to understand and know what is real. And that means listening to a lot of different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And then I found the other, there's, there's a handful of people that I, I can somewhat rely on. And sometimes they're off in certain areas, but they're generally, you know, bringing up the right questions and the right, um, maybe avenues to explore. But I, I, you know, I think that's just, (laughs) I think it's a very difficult place to, to be. Hmm. When you say a difficult place
0: to be, you mean basically in this modern world where in order to be heard, you have to stand out. And in mm. order to stand out, you have to be somewhat absurd. It does seem that way.
1: <clears throat> I don't think it has to be that way. And I think there's there there are some people who have been able to navigate those waters. But it's almost like people want you to come and play their game with them you know, like I'm going to label you as this and they're only going to interact to you, with you in that way. And you don't, you're not thinking seriously. You're like, okay, cool. I'm going to be that just because I'm going to push against what you're doing and what you're saying, because I don't, I don't believe you're, you're talking about it in the right way that you almost have to be more extreme in order to be heard. I mean, it's maybe like kids, you know, they act out because you know they're not getting the attention that they need and so they act out in a way that causes you to have to give them that attention or something Mm -hmm. we're all a bunch of kids (laughs) what you looking for well
0: i wanted to get a reference right um Yeah. It reminds me of um Ah, it's Chris Tucker. I was gonna say Eddie Murphy. I'm <laughs> glad I looked it up. <clears throat> so it reminds me of um the movie The Fifth Element. Uh-huh. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, totally. With Bruce Willis and uh-huh. Mia Jovovich. Uh-huh. Jo- Jovovich? Yeah, Jovovich. Uh, yeah. Um and I think it's fairly common in sort of like futuristic sci-fi movies. Everything is a bit absurd. You know and part of that is I think people are just trying to create a world that doesn't look like ours. And so everything Mm -hmm. does look a bit absurd, but there is something to that in that. So Chris Tucker's character in (laughs) the fifth element is just, you know, he's sort of probably what we would have described as transvestite. Yeah. You know, when that movie came out, which, um, I don't know what people would call that character now, but he's just, he's, it really doesn't have anything to do with gender. He's just over the top absurd. You know, even the way he talks and his mannerisms and everything. And, it's, and he's hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> um, but there is something to that in that I think that the more we advance technologically, it's almost like the more we have access to. And the more you have access to the more the baseline of things that used to be important just blend into the background. Mm -hmm. And so in order for anything to stand out in order for anything to catch your attention, it has to be absurd. It has to be a caricature of something real, but a caricature Mm -hmm. because real things don't stand out anymore. There's way too many other things to take your attention. And, I think I've heard it put this way before, that your brain is a is more of a filtering machine than anything else. Like, there's an infinite number of things that you could pay attention to mm-hmm. in any given moment, in any room you're in. Um, there's an infinite level of complexity. And your brain filters almost everything out except for what you're attending to.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so for something to get your attention... The more advanced we become, which means the more we have access to, um, the more absurd something has to be for you to notice it.
1: Mm.
0: And so I think that, that it's inevitable and it will continue to actually, to the extent that what we're describing is, an appro- is a problem, it will only continue to get worse.
1: Yeah, my, my, my brain, when you're saying that, leads me to like Kanye West and, and also uh, SBF. Uh, Sam Bankman Fried, mm-hmm. you know, and just how. Well, on one, on one instance, you have Kanye, which is it just it has lighted up the media and <clears throat> his absurd, like, where it's like, he's not well, you know, it's like, you know, it, it's like almost somewhat need to ignore him, <clears throat> you know, in a sense, you know. But then you have like this SBF character with um, that. Uh, was the was the CEO of uh, FTX and Alameda, uh, which has had this huge blow up over the last few weeks. And, you know, it's like we don't even know the the ramifications or the implications that this has on our <laughs> on our world and society. It's, it's 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 huge. It's like it's being compared to maybe like a Lehman's brother type of incident and maybe even bigger than that. Mm-hmm. You know, and so the so we're. How do we filter that, and how do we understand these things? Like, you know, some, someone mentions like crypto, and it's like, oh, this is dumb. You know, it's like it's just fake, made up made up money. And it's like, well, actually, it affects our economy and the world around us a lot more than what most people understand, and how it's starting to integrate and will integrate even more into our our uh, into our world. But most people in mainstream media don't cover it in a way that maybe like the internet was not covered in the late nineties mm, Yeah, you know, they were like, Oh, this is dumb. So I'll, you know, it's like, why don't I just write a letter and not like right. email somebody, you know, it's yeah. like, well, we take that for granted now. <laughs> and so they're, now there's this, there's cryptos kind of in this, in the same sphere because most people maybe have some ex, uh, exposure to it as for sort of like, Oh, it's just monkeys and NFTs and meme coins. And it's like, no, there's actually a whole like, Technological revolution, you know, uh, kind of happening right now in this space, uh, but there is a lot of noise and a lot of um, bad actors in it too. And we we saw a lot of that in the in the dot com bubble and bust and burst. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, again, it, some of this is very complicated, and, and to expect our and I'm kind of sticking up for maybe sort of our media sense-making machines is like it's hard to understand especially new things or complicated Mm -hmm. things like Russia, Ukraine um, you know, what's going on. How does that, how does that affect China and India and Saudi Arabia? You know, it's like, that is a valid point. And maybe I'll
0: just try to steel man the media's position on that for a moment. Mm -hmm. But you know, if the media is a sense making mechanism, then there is the question of, well, what should they make sense of? Mm -hmm. I mean, back to this observation that there's an infinite number of things to attend to that you could, try to make sense of yeah so what should you make sense of Mm -hmm. and so the media is also sort of tasked with that and hopefully we're in some sort of dialogue in which you know we reflect back to the media whether or not the things that they're making sense of are the right things to make sense of true yeah um and some of the things that should be made sense of in their nascent stage whether that's the internet or crypto seem absolutely laughable and dismissible mm-hmm. you know like this is just some you know at the beginning days of crypto is like oh this is just used on the black market on silk road and you know to buy buy weed or whatever who would have known that come 2020 you'd have all these people who became mega rich on it you know so yeah. you can forgive them for getting some things wrong or for ignoring some things that it turns out should have been paid attention to. Mm -hmm. And there are are all kinds of incentives to how they choose what to make sense of. Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of those are politically oriented, especially post the Trump era, Mm -hmm. where you fall on the political spectrum actually does matter to your, to your, let's say, constituents. So if you're a media organization organization, and you pursue the Hunter Biden laptop story mm. you're going to have a lot of Democrats who are going to disown you because they say you're pursuing misinformation mm. like look, the FBI said this was Russian disinformation. you know should they have pursued that? Well, yeah, in hindsight, it turns out all that was true mm-hmm. all that was real, which is another thing that I'm not sure that you know everybody knows yeah mm-hmm. but it's it's not there's no debate
1: on it anymore, yeah um you know so or even like you take our late night hosts you know there was no, there there was no alternative perspective uh SNL has been the same way too and it's just and i think that's when it becomes not funny is whenever they don't they don't have the they're not like being able to poke fun at both sides do you start to see them more as a pundit for a certain ideology mm-hmm. and I mean that's okay if like you have one or two, but when you when you really look at it, it's all of them, and that's the part that drives me nuts. It's like no, you need to be making fun of both sides. Like that's your job. You're the jester. You're supposed to bring out, you know, the the silliness, the, the absurdity of our political elites. You know, and that is both sides. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's so much absurdity, you know. But once you start holding one side sacred. It's like you almost stop becoming a comic Mm. in that sense. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's not your job to hold things sacred. (laughs) Mm, It's almost, it's almost your job to poke fun and, and, and bring them down from their, their high purchase. You know, it's like, once you start putting like, you know, Biden can do no wrong or even Trump can do no wrong. Uh, that's something that kind of sends off a red flag in my head as far as, Mm now you're talking about cult leaders and you're a cult follower Right. <laughs> kind of thing. Right. Hmm.
0: It worries me sometimes that there's no
1: exit ramp to this madness. Well, in a sense, yes, it does. It does seem that way. Although I am, <laughs> there's certain things that are helpful in this It's like, they kind of sober us up a little bit. And I think some of that's happening actually economically right now Mm -hmm. is that, you know, we did have this sort of idea that, you know, whatever mistakes I make, somebody's going to come in and rescue us, whether it be, you know, the COVID stuff, which a lot of it I'm very thankful for, but I understand that that's not something that the government can do all the time for us, you know, (laughs) and then, you know, um, you know, student loan forgiveness that has been denied in the courts. Mm -hmm. It's like some of it I understand. But the thing is, is like we have to be able to feel the consequences of our decision. There has to be some responsibility there. And as much as I would love everything, all my debts to be forgiven, you know, it's like I would love that. I'll vote for that person, you know. Hmm. But however, I know on the other side of me, it's sort of like there's just something deeply wrong with that like what happens when you start taking away that personal responsibility for the decisions mm-hmm. that you made? Who was I listening to?
0: Oh, I don't remember who it was, but I think they quoted Thomas soul. Mm. Um, oh, I was listening to an interview with Bjorn Longberg mm. about, uh, you know, climate, global warming stuff. Mm. He quoted Thomas <clears throat> soul who said there are, there's no such thing as solutions. There is only trade-offs. And I thought, that's a painful like I want to object to that. Mm -hmm. But as I really thought about it, I thought that there's something really true in that. Interesting. Can you unpack that? Well, for any given thing that you want to solve for mm -hmm. you acting in the world, you acting to solve that has trade-offs has unforeseen Mm. consequences and unforeseen damages. Yeah, And so if you expand the picture to include those damages, was your solution actually a solution? It's like, well, you solved for one small piece, but then created other problems. And so you traded one for the other. It was a trade-off. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to solve things. It means that we should have some humility about our solutions and accept the fact that there are trade-offs. Hmm. Accept the fact that we're going to do we're going to do some harm while we're doing some good. Hmm. And I think that's actually a really good argument for, for individual responsibility. Like you say, you know, the, the, the government says, you know, we want to solve for climate change or we want to solve for lowering greenhouse emissions. And everybody sort of says, yeah, great. Mm -hmm. And then, then in practice, the costs, because they're not outlined and they affect people differently. Some people are like, oh, I wasn't willing to pay that cost mm. for this, for this benefit, you know? Yeah. So I think that people ought to have the individual responsibility to be allowed. I mean, that's what freedom is, to choose their own trade-offs. Mm. And top-down mandate of particular solutions also mandates particular trade-offs. Yeah. So I think that's why totalitarianism always ends up in so, in such destruction. You know, we talk a lot about the USSR and Maoist China. Um, The trade-off to the search for utopia is the death of tens and hundreds of millions of people. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's because the solution was mandated now the, tr- the damages of the trade off is concentrated hmm. rather than being,
1: um, rather than being dispersed. Yeah. Well, that's, that's interesting. Cause like, you know, you do hear like politicians saying like, there should be no unemployment. It's like, well, it's just not a reality. It's not realistic. and, even with, you know, everyone going to college, it's it's like, well, that's nice, but is it practical in like what the, what the results are for doing that? You know, sh- should we pay for everyone to go to college or does that just become an extended high school? It's like at some point you have to have these obstacles that are in people's way that I, there's some sort of sacrifice you have to make in order to pursue something or else you're just kind of almost uh, allowing childhood to grow seep further and further into your twenties right. and thirties, right. if you don't allow that, because uh, you look at like earlier America and earlier times, and, and and also maybe third world countries, it's like kids and that we would consider kids are having to take on responsibility at younger ages than maybe more developed countries, mm-hmm. and somehow somehow we're trying to protect people, and and also people are looking for those protectors. It seems because it seems safe, but that comes at a, con- a consequence or a trade or a trade off. If you do, uh, if you do give up that freedom or that responsibility, there's a trade off hmm. in that.
0: I think it just occurred to me that we've, we've been in this territory before somewhat recently in, on the podcast. Hmm. And I think we sort of arrived at this idea that freedom is the ability to choose your own sacrifices, hmm. It's not necessarily the freedom to choose your own solutions. Yeah. You choose what you sacrifice. Hmm. And then the results of that are yours. Yeah. And that's a really good thing. And if we're for, cause if we're forced, if we're told what we must sacrifice, that's not, you're not free. Hmm. That's slavery.
1: Well, it's, I think that's also with entrepreneurs in general, like there's a lot of sacrifice that entrepreneurs put in, like some of it comes to their families. uh, Some of it comes to what they possibly could have done earlier, but they're sacrificing that for something that's in the future. And I think that's, if you take that sort of that entrepreneurial spirit out of things, then you're giving people a sort of, safe haven, but it's also a, a mediocrity that, hmm. that is, uh, I mean, I, I guess it does get rid of some of the, like the fraud and the, <laughs> and the, uh, the things that can go wrong through entrepreneurship, you know, as far as like trying to make and work things and, and think of solutions. But, uh, um, Oh shoot, I kind of lost where I was going with that. <laughs> that's okay. I, I, I was slightly distracted and I didn't quite follow it. So I can't bring it together for you. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. You're supposed to be able to bring it together. I know. For me. It's my job. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, when you do take on responsibility, I mean, that's, that's something that's, that's parenthood, you know, that's marriage. Hmm. There's, there's something that you're sacrificing for the future. And when you make a promise, you know, in marriage, it's not just like a arbitrary thing, like tell death do us part. There's a reason why we thought we, we say those kind of words is because it's something that we're taking serious to, to move into the future. And that comes at great cost. Whenever you walk away from that, you know, or, or like with your kids, it's like when you have kids, like you're, you're, you're making a promise into the future that takes a lot of sacrifice. But that's all, when you come to the end of your life, you're not just sitting there. I think you sent me a, a Peterson thing about this, but like, what do you have? Like who's surrounding you? It's, it's, is it your job? It's a, it's like, no, it's like, it's your, your, your offspring, the people that you've spent time with and sacrificed and took responsibility for that are around you and you're 60 or 70 or 80 years old, Mm -hmm. you know, there's something about that that is, is the value of that so much greater than maybe what you've accomplished, you know? Yeah. Cause like you, you, what you've accomplished, like you might get recognized that for like maybe two or three times in your lifetime, but like your kids are, always around you.
0: Yeah. You know? hmm. Yeah. I was
1: listening to, um, I, I,
0: let's see if this connects. I was listening yeah. to an interview with Rick Rubin, uh, who is like one of the most accomplished record producers of the last hmm. 40 years. And so he knows he's friends with a lot of celebrities and he was talking about how a lot of them, he talked about Tom Petty, for example, he was like, Tom Petty was either on tour or at his house. Hmm. He was like, he didn't go to dinner out to dinner. He didn't go to parties. He didn't go to social events. It was just too much for him. Hmm. So he was at home reading books, watching TV or out on tour. Hmm. And I think that sort of, to me illustrates your point. It's like you can have fame, success, money, money, a legacy, but it all, it can also make your life intolerable. You know, if you're as famous as Tom Petty, or maybe to use a, a, you know, another example, like Kanye West, Kim Kardashian, Elon Musk, Elon Musk. It's like, where can you go that people aren't bothering you constantly? Mm. Nowhere. So maybe your reaction to that as well, that's just too much for me. I'm just going to stay at home and you've got all these accomplishments and all this fame and you're just at home. And if that home is not filled with your family, with other people, well then you're just alone despite all of it. Mm. You know, at the end of it, at the end of your day and at the end of your life, it's your family
1: that you have. It sounds so weird. Like, I mean, even like probably five years ago, or even 10 years ago what you're saying I would have no rebuttal to that. Hmm. And, but you do now, but I I don't, but in in the back of my mind, I hear, I I hear all the rebuttals to that. Hmm. It's like, you know, whether it's like all the tropes of patriarchy or, Hmm. you know, it's, you know, well, somebody can be happy, you know, even if they don't choose that, that role of having kids and, and that kind of stuff. And it's like, and I don't disagree with that. It's like, yes, but it's a rare person. It's a rare person. Yeah. And, and that we've been doing this for hundreds of thousands of years and there's a reason why.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's also like, like dudes that just go out into the forest Mm -hmm. and live alone, you know, hermits we don't regard those people as, Oh, that's just what he likes to do. We're like, no, that dude's weird. <laughs> uh, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know
1: that that's strange. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, there's something that, that we have built into our societies, no matter what culture you're from, that there's a reason why those are built into our societies. And You know, also just child rearing and and you can always and I I find this interesting because you can always hear people talking about like those the exceptions to the rule. And it's like there's always gonna be exceptions to the rule, but there's a reason why it is the rule. And something about that needs to be acknowledged and held up to a a a higher standard, you know, And, and allow the exceptions because I think that's something that we need to allow exceptions because it's important for us to number one, acknowledge that there there's probably some validity to the exceptions, but also allowing them to be exceptions.
0: Well, it's like the, <laughs> it's, it's the, um, the phrase, the exception proves the rule. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> if it's, if just, if everything just were a certain way, you wouldn't need a rule to define it, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: Well, if I find today, like there's, there's so much more, we're trying to make the exceptions, the rule. Right. And we're trying to destroy categories. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But in that forming the category, that's this it's it's just another category honestly <laughs> just need to yeah
0: <laughs> destroy the categories by making a new category which contains everything yeah uh uh-huh. it's it's a very strange thing it really is yeah well by the way cheers to uh eight billion people on the planet that happened Woo! this week did you hear that all right i like humans <laughs> yeah i'm pro-human it's a mm. controversial stance these yeah. days <laughs> totally but I'm a human and everyone I know and love is a human. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pro. We also love non-humans like, uh, Luca. (laughs) (laughs) I love some non-humans. Yeah. Some non-humans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There are some non-humans, a lot of non-humans that I don't particularly enjoy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Luca, Luca fits into my non-humans. Yeah. He's a good Uh non-human. Where is that non-human? Oh, I thought he was behind me. He left us. Oh, well, well, shoot, man. Um, 8 billion people. Yeah, I guess there's 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 still room. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I somebody made a comment about it on Twitter and Elon actually responded um, the population is still increasing largely because people are living longer. Oh, interesting. But this will change very very soon hmm. because birth rates are below replacement rates oh, that's right. almost everywhere. mm
1: mm-hmm. Mhm. And the boomers are heading into the into death. De- <laughs> that's into the death. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, boomers. <laughs> Everyone's got to do yeah. it. There's only two truths in life.
0: Us exers will be we'll there too. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not an exer. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're don't, an early. Don't group me with millennial old people. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the term is elder millennial. Elder millennial. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, Um. But yeah, the the population is likely to decline precipitously.
1: Hmm. Fairly soon, which is so interesting. I, I love the, you know, the more people you have, you have on this planet too. That it's like you have the more more minds to figure out like what we can do and make things better too. You know, it's like if you think about the just percentages. Like if if one out of ten people is going to come up with an idea that's a world changer, or one out of a hundred or a thousand, it's like the more people you have. The more ideas you're going to have mm-hmm. to like create a better place. Yeah, well, that's
0: a good point. It kind of goes back to the idea of outsourcing things. Mm-hmm. We have to outsource things like sense making, mm-hmm. and the more people there are, the more we can do
1: that. And well, ideally, the better off we can be. What do you What do you think we're going to be in five or ten years? I want to say ten. Okay. I don't know which Which one you're more comfortable with, like. Hmm. Like but let's sit, go with uh, the year making i think uh, yeah. maybe i want to go with the year 2030
0: okay that's great that's a good to you. eight eight years uh-huh. eight years one month i like that <laughs> <laughs> uh, or i guess seven years 11 months
1: mm-hmm.
0: why am i struggling with that math <laughs> i think it's eight years eight and one years month. one month yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> you're right for some um
0: no it would be seven years one month in History, one month, you're of, right, a, yeah. You're okay. Right. <laughs> um, well, disinformation. Take, take that <laughs> with a and, and use that as a grain of salt for <laughs> predictions. So, where are we going to be in terms of sense making in twenty thirty? Um, I suspect that the current global structure is going to change in ways that we are not prepared to understand. Hmm. Like, I think the idea of the U S as a global superpower and as sort of the, the defining unit for everything. Um, I think that's already changed a lot. I think it's going to continue to change. Hmm. I think we will see a return to tribalism because the internet enables people to group and gather and have a false sense of their size because you can aggregate you can aggregate a lot of people globally around a very niche idea <clears throat> um, I think the absurdity of that we talked about earlier is probably going to result in a response of something that looks a lot more like... Like we would have said uh, maybe in the 90s, there was like a... a, a uh, um, the word authenticity was big. Hmm. But I think there's going to be a return of something that looks a lot more like traditional fundamentalist religion Hmm. and we're already seeing it on the left. I think that that's probably on its way out. Actually. I think it's, it's burning itself out. I think, I think you're going to see something that returns to a more traditional religious sense of things in response to the absurdity of, um, everything goes destruction of categories. As far as sense making goes, I think we're going to, over the next seven years, really struggle through how to regulate information. Hmm. And we're probably going to see some mini-tyrannies and a lot of really bad mistakes and a lot of manipulation. Um, You know, we're still legally treating social networks Via a law that was written in like 1996 or something, mm-hmm. the Telecommunications Act, Section 230. We haven't updated that shit in tw- <laughs> like, you know, 26 years. Most people didn't know what the internet was in 1996. Hmm. And we were still, de- I mean, the, the, the dot com crash didn't even come until like 2001. One, yeah. So that's ancient. Um, and we're going to struggle to figure it out. It's mm. going to be hard. We're treating these platforms like they're simultaneously publishers and platforms. And those are two very different things with very different ramifications. And to to sort that out, you know, is it, is it a new third category? Is it some hybrid of the two? It's, it's going to be difficult. Mm. And, and anytime there's something difficult, there's going to be mistakes made and those mistakes are going to be felt and I think there's going to be more of an organized response to the anger that came from the demoralization of moral deceit. So what do you mean by that? Well, like we were talking about earlier, like the moral position was trust the science and take the vaccine. Hmm. Well, it turns out that my moral position was based on a lie or half truth or Mm -hmm. bad information or whatever you want to make it, it was wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's an anger that's going to come as a response to that, to that. And I think that we're just at the beginning of sort of waking up to that. And I think that anger will become organized and you'll probably see something like Trumpism, Mm. but under a different banner, Mm -hmm. because I think what Trump did was, spoke to people who were disaffected, which is what the Democrats were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. But there was a whole faction of people who were like left completely out of the conversation so much that they weren't even identified as disaffected. And I think Mm -hmm. Trump spoke to them and we saw, you know, the power of that. I think there's a whole new group of people that actually sort of splits the difference between the two sides. Um, in that it's sort of, it's not right and it's not left. It's more like sane and insane Hmm. in a, in a strange way. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be some reorganization around that. I think that likely China and Russia are a far more formidable threat Hmm. than almost anyone is, giving them credit for. And I think culturally we're asleep to that because we've just thought, you know, for the last, let's say 33 years, when did the, uh, cold war end? 89, Mm -hmm. 89, 91, somewhere there. Yeah. Somewhere around there. We've just taken it for granted that no one's going to mess with us. And we
1: say what goes. Mm. I don't think that's true anymore. That's interesting. I probably kind of, I probably would have a different, I think on that one, I think China and Russia are still in an implosion kind of arena, but I I definitely agree with the U S has to kind of have a wake up call a little bit as far as like what we've, the power and the influence that we've had on the world is something that I think is going to be checked a little bit or actually probably needs to be checked a little bit because we kind of we've kind of taken i think a little bit more liberties than what than what we uh what we should to have to handle and hold that responsibility that we've kind of had over the last you know since the since world war ii (laughs) yeah
0: well when you said the u.s needs to have a wake-up call i think that's really true i felt really discouraged that trump announced this week that he was going to run again come on (laughs) (laughs) Cause this sort of Trump Biden, it's, it's just, it's navel gazing, (laughs) Totally, you know, we're just going to tie up the news cycle for another two years on that bullshit. Yeah. When we've got global financial collapse, we have the end of the US dollar reserve. Yeah. We've got energy crisis. We've got essentially world war three. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a laundry list of things that you could be worried about. And every headline, mm-hmm. I mean, every headline is going to be about Trump
1: and Biden. Cause that's what makes money. And that's what, I mean, yeah. that's the, I'm sick of it. It's, that's the bullshit. That's yeah. Yeah. It's like, I mean, how, but, but who, who's going to listen to the guy who comes in or the, or the woman who comes in, I use guy as both. <laughs> you well, know, that's the thing, is, yeah, like, yeah. I think if somebody comes
0: in and says, here's the issues we should really be paying attention to, yeah. people will just be like, oh, you're fear mongering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, which is, you know, maybe worth pointing out. It's like when you say the U.S. needs a wake up call, mm-hmm. well, <laughs> a wake up call is never gentle. No. If you're true. in need of a wake up call, mm-hmm. then you're seriously asleep mm-hmm. and someone's going to have to come rock your world.
1: Well, that's the thing with the whole like, you know, financial crisis that we're kind of in right now. Like you and I've ta- been talking about it. It's just that I don't think people understand how big this is mm-hmm. and how over leveraged and, um, almost casino like that. We've kind of approached a lot of our markets that <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would say a casino style market would be better because then at least even at
1: least the books would balance. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's just, you know, there's a transparency and, and that's, that's something that I feel like there's solutions out there right now, or at least in their infancy, that could really solve a lot of these problems. I mean, you know, just think about it, if our government went to a blockchain. <clears throat> so everything, money comes into the government, it goes into the blockchain, and then it goes to all the places it's supposed to go. And you know, every single detail of where that money is and how it was spent. Yeah. Rather than sending 90 billion dollars to Ukraine. Oh,
0: I was trying to read like, about, that, about that. What the hell about
1: all of the billions of dollars we sent to Ukraine? I think it's like 50, but I like to say like 100 billion. Well, no, I think it is dollars.
0: <laughs> I think it's like 60 or no, it is 50 and there's another mm-hmm. 37 billion okay. about to go out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, apparently, people like there isn't an answer to where that money is going. Like what it's being used for. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there's not really a good answer for that. Yeah. I'm like, isn't that our money? <laughs> Shouldn't we be able to know?
1: <laughs> Which is great. I mean, like, I mean, you think of like, like like Bitcoin or something like that. It's like, okay, hey, we're giving you this money in this wallet, and then you see where that money goes to into what other wallets right. or whatever it might be. It's like there's a transparency where you can be like, okay, hey, what is this? where's this going? And then it goes here and then it goes there. And then it goes there. It's like, there's a transparency there. That's the technology that's being developed right now. Or it has been here for a while. Enables us to do this. But at the same time, I think that's a part of it. We don't want that transparency. Hmm. Cause I, again, blockchains well, have gotten the, gotten the bad rap. Of I like think the government doesn't roads. want that transparency.
0: Yeah, totally. <laughs> I, this, I, this is not anything new, but yeah. I was reminded of it recently. I saw this clip of somebody saying, the we are private citizens, meaning what we do should be private. Mm-hmm. Whereas the government is a public servant; yeah. what they do should be public. Mm. Like, I think Eric Weinstein has pointed this out about the blockchain. The problem with a currency on the blockchain is you're not private; mm. all your transactions are visible. Yeah. And you can say, "Well, but my wallet's anonymized." Yeah, sort of. <laughs> it is. It's like mm-hmm. it's a hash. Your Mm -hmm. name isn't necessarily attached to it, but we can figure out. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think I would like the government's spending to be such that I could audit it personally if I wanted to. (laughs) That'd be awesome. It'd be awesome. (laughs) But I don't want my spending Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. You know, I enjoy paying for things with cash from time to time. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't need your shady. I don't need a record of that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's the same thing. Like if I go to buy something for Allison, it's like, I can't use our bank account to buy something for her. Right. She'll see it. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, how do you do that? And her not see that, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, but at the same time, in that sense, you're also opening up a whole possibility for malfeasance. You know, it's like, and I think that's the part that the government has sort of like, sort of latched onto as far right. as like you know the tornado cash or there's some other different cryptos that you can trade through that uh, anon- anon- anonymize your tra- your transactions and stuff mm. like that and you know governments don't like that <laughs> right yeah they want to know about everything that you do yeah they want to know about those and they private shouldn't. sentences but they don't want Uh, Public, (laughs) They don't want want us to know about what they're doing. Uh, It's above our pay grade, which I can understand. Like there might be some, some spots where it's like, okay, Hey, no, this is going into a spot where you're not going to know where it's going. It's like, but it's a certain amount of money because I I do believe that there are certain things that the government and that's, that's a trust issue needs to do that. We don't need to know about. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, part of me cringes at saying that because I kind of, don't agree with that at the same time I argue with myself, but I do understand like as a parent too, there are certain things that my kids don't need to know that I'm doing for them. And
0: yeah, you got to be able to run some black ops. Yeah. You know? <laughs> totally. Oh, and it's true of the government too. I mean, if mm-hmm. our, if all of our government spending was publicly auditable, mm-hmm. that would be a national security risk.
1: Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. So
0: that's another thing. I mean, it's almost like regulating social media networks. I, I don't know that we, have the faintest idea how to operate in this world, in this world where again, it's like the technological advance has made so many more things available to us. Mm -hmm. Like we could implement a way for the public auditing of government spending, but it would be a national security risk. And so should we do it? You know, probably not, but then we're stuck in this world Mm where there's rampant malfeasance, mm-hmm. what do we do about that? You know, we don't know
1: what well, almost should be like, there should be two different categories. Like one is like, these things should be tracked. Cause I, I would see that as like, again, as a business owner, like if I'm going to purchase a business in a certain area and someone else finds out about that prior to that, I mean, there could be, they could make moves in order to either stop that or to, to get an upper hand in that area or whatever it might be. I mean, obviously I'm just a small coffee shop guy, but like, but like, you know, so I could see that the ha- having a little bit of privacy in that is actually beneficial because people can use that as mm-hmm. as a as a weapon rather than <clears throat> yeah, anyways. <laughs> I think we're going we're going way off. We're here. going <laughs> way off. Okay. That's Reel good. it in. <laughs>
0: uh, um, any final hopeful
1: thoughts um just a real quick I, I think i'm a little bit more optimistic in the next seven years and month than, than i was <laughs> when you were it's like because it's it's not that I, I disagree with you i just think that those are all or maybe you didn't maybe you didn't even mean it this way but i think there's also i think a lot of things you've talked about are actually positive things hmm. um <clears throat> like i think there's a certain amount of a, amount of pain that we kind of need to fill and it's really sad because I think lower middle class and poor people are going to fill it a lot worse and that's that sucks and but I don't I don't see a way around that without us learning as a society those lessons of sort of are the results of the of the things that we've done up to this point you know financially um so I think there will be, there will be some hurt and probably some of the things that you talked about, like, as far as like grouping together, grouping together in ways that are maybe not positive for our future. But I also think that coming through all that, coming through that fire, I think we'll be able to see what we value more. You know, uh, you see this in war, <clears throat> you know, people kind of come out of those situations and they've, they realize what is, what is most important. Uh, And, and also I think a lot of what are millennials specifically, but maybe even Gen Z, like, I think they've been robbed of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And, and I think something that they will impart to the generations after them will be of, of, of really great value. And, and a part of it, I think will part of their story and as sad as it is, is like, is is sort of like we were robbed of this, and you can kind of see this in with the Boomer generation not relinquishing really control and allowing the Gen Xers to sort of step into positions of power and influence and responsibility that they just held onto it for too long, and you didn't allow that sort of natural progression from generation to generation. Yeah, and I think the Gen Zers will fill that effect and hopefully Bill, I think they'll be able to communicate that to the next generation and understand what happened right now, what's happening right now. Hmm. And something we've experienced with our presidents specifically as a high example, you know, yeah. like there should not be an 80 year old or 70 odd person <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> as our, as our, as our president, you know, right. it's like somewhere between the ages of 40 and 60 probably is no ideal. ideal. Yeah. Yeah. But, Anywho's. All right. All right. Definitely. Love you guys. Thanks for coming to Shores. Thanks for being with us. <laughs> Love you all. Love you all. Bye. Bye.